0: Hi, I'm Alex Frecon. you're listening to My Therapist and I, a podcast that isn't just about therapy, it is therapy, more specifically, my therapy. In this session, Dr. Steve asked me about my family, and as a result, we talk about my family for a bit, which, you know, can always be a little bit awkward. So, hope you enjoy. Let me just hear what you sound like now. <clears throat> Here, How's that? <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was well done. Well played. Um, so this is my voice. I mean, this is yeah. So. so I wonder if I turn me down even more. Because this way, like, there's two ways to I'm giving you some podcast background. With this mixer, there are two ways it can export the audio. One is it can take both of our... Mm-hmm mics and combining it into one audio file Mm -hmm. which is very easy it's just one audio file but i can't adjust the levels of my voice compared to yours like Uh if i want to turn it up i turn up the whole podcast basically so you get the same whereas it can do multiple audio files and i can isolate each microphone and Uh adjust it that way however that is just like a huge pain yeah, that sounds like yeah. too much editing. So I'd much rather just like figure out a sweet spot. So I think we're good like this. Okay. Yeah, I can tell already it sounds um, more full and stuff. Um. So yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. You got to give me a... Why? Because. <laughs> Do you feel like you got to put on your... Podcast, I just version of yourself. I just
1: need to know when I can clear my throat or not. Oh so.
0: yeah, no more throat clearing. So to anyone listening, um, sorry, sorry, I should change that. To everyone listening, Doctor Steve has been dealing with some. It sounds like uh, just a long term. What would you describe it as? Just residual upper respiratory residual uh, upper respiratory residual residuals. So. Um, I have very politely asked him to not make that horrible, awful sound into the microphone. And um, I told Alex that's my voice. <laughs> so. uh, thank you, St- Dr. Steve, for, for your presence. How are yeah. you today? I'm, I'm doing good. That is good. Um, How about you? I am doing Okay. I, there's nothing like bad, but I am admittedly, I've been a bit, the last 10 days have been a lot, just Mm -hmm. like work. And then also just like a lot of, uh, creativity is like work and that can be Mm -hmm. draining in its own right. And Mm -hmm. then a lot of like emotional work too, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just, it's all kind of compounded. So I am, yeah, I'm like emotionally burnt out a little bit, or like creatively burnt out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But aside from that, I'm good. You know, it's sunny. It's not as cold as it was like two weeks ago. Uh-huh, right. I went for a little walk today. Nice. <clears throat> um, so I can't complain. There, it's okay with the the throat clearing thing. It is what it is. So I'm uh, I'm reminded that I couple of, um,
1: meetings ago, you shared some pretty, um, deep stuff, kind of vulnerable stuff for you to to share. I I guess I'm wondering if there's been any, um, feedback you've gotten from that or people reach out to you, support you in in any
0: way or? I haven't, people have reached out, but Uh no one, um, Acknowledged the like heaviness of it. They were oh. just like, "Hey, I really enjoyed the episode. This was great." Oh, okay. As mm-hmm. opposed to like, "Hey, that particular subject, you know, of your running with the law and your criminal past, mm-hmm. you know, that was interesting or something like that." Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, yeah, I can imagine there are people who feel uncomfortable about being like, "Hey, I was eavesdropped." Like, I, I, I can imagine it sort of feels like they're eavesdropping a little bit, so maybe they're uncomfortable to address the specifics. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, I'm making a podcast, so it's like, it's all fair game to, to, to yeah. all of you listening. Right. Uh, uh, you can reference things that are in this podcast. But yeah, it was, um, I remember when I, we released it, I felt like kind of anxious. Yeah, I'm putting this out to the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the tail end of that, was um a more positive feeling of like it sort of lessened the shame a little bit in mm. a weird way because mm-hmm. it was kind of like hey I'm not ignoring that this happened and I'm not ignoring part of this past um I'm talking about it mm-hmm. and underst and through talking about it kind of understanding that like I'm a work in progress and I'm a human and I'm dealing with stuff and I continue to deal st- with stuff. And I think just talking about it to knowing that other people would hear it mm-hmm. and the world didn't come crashing down. Right, right. Like that feel felt good or that feels good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, well, what's on your mind
1: about uh, the space that we're in here?
0: I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, I admittedly feel a little bit of pressure. Yeah. As you can imagine, like performance pressure like today i was like oh god i gotta think of things to talk about with dr steve yeah and that's a unique aspect of what we got going on here but um it can be in just when i'm all like i have a lot going on it just can be a little bit more challenging but um well
1: i certainly have questions
0: i bet i also watch some past episodes and listen to them it's like I talk a lot, and uh, I can imagine people listening are like, "Okay, Alex, we get it. Let's hear from Doctor Steve."
1: No, I don't. I don't know that that's the forum for this. I don't know that that should be the format for yeah. what we're doing because I think this is mimicking real life therapy where the clients talk more than the therapist.
0: And I was just going to ask, like, I imagine the majority of your sessions. Is they are talking. Yeah, people are giving me information.
1: I don't. I don't do a lot. Of, I mean, I don't do a lot of preaching. I don't do a lot of hey, let me give you all the advice that you need, um, kind of a thing. It's more like listening, so I can draw connections and ask questions.
0: So, yeah, um, aren't like therapists like you're not? The whole thing is like you're not supposed to give advice, right? I mean, that's what I think. Yeah, but I've think, heard that. Too. I think there are a lot of therapists who do that, though. Mm. Yeah, uh, my therapist George makes it sound like it's a big no-no to give advice. But as like, sorry to clarify that like, it's almost like a rule as opposed to a an opinion. But that might be his perspective. Like this is what I believe. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, why don't you? Why don't you fire away if you yeah, got a question? Yeah, well,
1: I mean the, the big thing for me, I, I don't know a lot about the family you grew up in, the family environment you grew up in, how mm. <clears throat> you know yep. how how that was, uh, what was your experience of, of that? And
0: Sure. And
1: I don't I don't ask so much to to it to like, "Oh, that's why Alex <laughs> is the way he is." You know, like I don't I don't do a lot of that because I really believe parents are trying to do the best they can at a moment in time. Um, but but I think it's important to know what kind of relationship you have with your folks right now yep. or the people, your siblings. Is there cutoff? Is there over-involvement And as you see it? And just those kinds of things are, are what
0: kind of are of interest to me. Yep. And where do I begin? The year was 1987. I was born. Um, yeah. I had a... Uh, it's hard to say what a normal childhood is, but my relationship with my family is pretty strong. We're pretty close. Um, my parents no longer live in Minnesota, so there's that physical distance. But, um, growing up, you know, we were very, like, we would do family trips together. Uh, we would have dinner together every night. Um. In fact, my dad was really like strict on that. Like missing family dinner was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Which, as I grew up, I learned that that wasn't. I always thought that was normal. Mm -hmm. But as I grew older and I went to college and stuff, and I talked to more and more people, they're like, "Yeah, I've never had meals with my parents. Like we would just do our own thing." I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, but yeah, my parents are both. uh, They're both very. High achieving, successful, smart people. Mm. Um, my dad is not from the United States. He is French. Mm-hmm. He was born in um, Casablanca mm. and raised there up until um, his father passed away at a young age and the family had to move to Paris. Mm. Um, and I know that that transition was very, very challenging for him mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they kind of went from a situation where, you know, they were um comfortable and living well situated and then they sort of just lost everything Mm. and they had to start from scratch in paris and i bring that up because my dad would always tell stories of like he would as he was going through like the end of high school and college he was also working to provide for his mom and his sister Mm -hmm. and he was he'd tell me about all these kind of jobs he had and one of them was he worked at a morgue for like a week oh wow And he 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 tells this crazy story. The day he quit was, um, they were they finished like cleaning a body, and um, the head guy, um, like wiped off the table that the body was on, and then he took out, um, he took out bread and cheese, and he started eating lunch on the table. And my dad was like, "Okay, I got, I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) This is too weird." Um, But yeah, so he met my mom in. Los Angeles they both went to Stanford where they met Um, and my mom is uh, from Minnesota Mm -hmm. she grew up here um, and she's like equally ambitious and she's really um, she can be really intense in times like she's very assertive Mm -hmm. and she's very proactive and she's very intimidating and she's I'll just use the term she's pretty badass in terms Mm -hmm. of like she came up in kind of the 80s When women, you know, were not really and arguably still aren't in a lot of like uh, positions of kind of power management. And Mm -hmm. she worked her way up to be a female executive. And um, so, yeah, there's a very assertive dynamic in my upbringing. Like I had two very strong willed Mm -hmm. um, extroverted parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. I was very, yeah. My brother, I have an older brother. Uh, he and I are uh, pretty close too. We're very different in a lot of ways, as are most brothers. Um, but yeah, he works with my mom. So I see him pretty frequently. Uh-huh. Um, just because <laughs> I um, sometimes squat out of their office, do some work there. So I see my brother quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my family. Got a, a mom and a dad and a brother. And I know that my dad has stumbled across this podcast. So that's like what's running through my head right now. <laughs> right. It's like, as I'm saying things, I'm like, okay, is he going to get pissed off by this? Is he going to get pissed off by this? Um, He is a very private man. Uh-huh. And I think the idea of me saying that on a podcast mm-hmm. is probably going to be challenging for him. Um but yeah. That's what you get for having kids, dad, if you're listening. Maybe not just kids, but having Alex. <laughs> having Alex, yeah. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020, 20, I suppose. <laughs> um but yeah, what else? What can I tell you about my family and my childhood and that stuff?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know, it's not like I've got a We just want to deep, dark. I just need a lay of the land, you know, like, yeah, you've provided a good kind of cursory picture of who the major players are in your life. And that's important. Mm -hmm. The the kind of relationship, how how close you are to them. Yeah.
0: And then this is obviously a topic that I've talked about a lot throughout therapy and like what, you know, things I've struggled with and how they relate to Mm -hmm. my childhood and what needs were met as a child and what needs Mm -hmm. were not met and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and I think one thing that I, there are a couple of things that are probably learned habits that I'm working on. And one is this idea of like, I don't know if this is a, a well-used phrase, but like human doing versus human being. Yep. I've heard it before. Yep. <clears throat> so that's something that I try to put emphasis on, right? Cause I have constantly daily. I think I mentioned this in the first episode, but like every day, I am thinking about what I could be doing more mm-hmm. and what I have yet to do, and why what I am doing is not good enough. And that is a very persistent, angry voice, yeah. you know. So I, that's something that so my worth being connected to my productivity, yes. my
1: products, you know, deliverables, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, I heard growing up, I heard a lot of "Stop being lazy! You're being lazy." Hmm. And maybe I was being lazy. I don't know. Um, but it's very hard for me to sit around and do nothing because mm-hmm. even to this day, I hear that voice of like, "You need to be doing something. You can't do nothing." Mm-hmm. I get really uncomfortable when I am sitting around doing nothing mm-hmm. because I'm like, "Oh God, you're just wasting time." Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be a good sunbather. Well, that's the great irony. Is like if I can co- if I can leave my environment and go somewhere else, uh-huh. I can. Just be like, oh, I, um, it's I have an excuse now.
1: I'm on vacation. I'm on or,
0: vacation, mm-hmm. and so I can just lounge for an entire yep. day. Mm-hmm. But here in my home town, it's it's specifically I've noticed too in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm physically in this state, I I just am kind of a little bit more on edge. Whereas like I spent a little bit of time after college in New York City, mm-hmm. and that was I loved it because I was like, oh, I'm in this new area. I can be. A different version of myself. I can mm. kind of go with however I want to, you know, go with the flow, sort of a thing. But um, yeah. Mm. Um, so there's that, and then also to growing up, my father's a very passionate man, very emotional, and those swings in emotions could be very um, like dr- drastic. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked up a pretty nasty temper. As such, and that's something that therapy has like really, really helped me with because Mm -hmm. I used to be like just a, and and it's something I still struggle with, is just like a kind of, I can be a very angry person sometimes. Who do you save that for? I, that's what's, you know, George's telling me, he's like, dude, you should just get a punching bag, like a boxing bag. Mm -hmm. But I have, uh, I do not have very great mechanisms for it's funny you bring this up because i just you know i I, so i meet with a real life therapist as a Mm -hmm. kind of one of the safety i'm the fake guy who's the fake therapist the fake well Well, you're almost you're kind of like a doctor you know (laughs) almost real um so i was meeting with him just yesterday and i was feeling angry Mm -hmm. and i had to stop and be like you know George, I'm just pissed. You're pissing me off right now. Mm. And he started smiling. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I just find you annoying. And then we went into it, and I kept being like, I know this is just because I'm frustrated. And George was like, Alex, you know, it's okay to tell me that I'm pissing you off right now because it lets me know that you're expressing your emotion and how you're Mm -hmm. feeling and you're Mm -hmm. being true to that. And we talked about, like, okay, there is anger built up. Like, what are some ways to get rid of it? I don't really. You know, exercise is a good healthy way of dealing with it, but I haven't been exercising lately. So I don't, you know, lash out at anyone, but, um, and I, I haven't for a very long time. And part of me, sometimes I think like, where does all of that anger go, you know? Like, and maybe that's creativity is helpful in that regard. Mm. Um, a lot of it has dissipated mm-hmm. through therapy and then also to, I should. I probably should have told you this at the beginning. I'm on Prozac. I take a very, very small dose of it. I take Uh like ten milligrams a day, Uh which um, I remember telling my doctor that's the dosage I want. She's like, "Well, we typically save this for like the elderly. Is it going to help you?" I was like, "Yeah, I just want a little take the edge off." Yeah, yeah, and it is very helpful. Like, I'm happy with the dosage I'm at. I have um, it's just enough to not make me like complacent or feel Mm -hmm. apathetic about stuff. Mm but also, like you said, takes the edge off a bit.
1: So it's interesting that, that one of the recommendations you received was about getting a punching bag. Well, what are your thoughts about that? Um, as far as using that punching bag, not for an aerobic workout, but to, quote-unquote, get the anger out. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that came at um, from the tail end of me being like, I feel... And I don't know if this is just how I'm wired as a as a human and as a like a, a male species, but I feel a lot of like desire to like run and like push things and like that's why I love hockey and mm-hmm. playing hockey. Not like the physical aspect of it, mm-hmm. not the idea of like fighting someone, mm-hmm. but the idea of like kind of battling mm-hmm. a bit. And yeah. I mean, I don't know, a part of me is on guard now because I'm like, is Dr. Steve insinuating that I have anger management issues?
1: I'm more trying to figure out what your thoughts are about anger because I think it's a common belief that people need to find a way to express their anger um, to, to reduce the amount, almost like there's a container inside my body. Like I've got I've got a container of anger and I need to let that cap off and drain it out every now and then. This is going to build up again. I, yeah. I, and I'm not so sure that I... I fall into the believing that that's the way we are. Yeah. I, th- I think anger is uh, like a lot of other emotions. But sometimes we even talk about anger being a secondary emotion, right? That something happens before I get angry, mm-hmm. like sad, hurt, lonely, scared. Those are the big four for me. That that there's that when I'm angry, there's usually something connected to those four, one of those four, sad, hurt, lonely, scared. and And oftentimes it comes out as anger and the, the challenge for when it's coming out as anger is to is to help people identify one of these four sad hurt lonely scared and and have them talk about sad hurt lonely scared as opposed to the anger. The anger pushes people away. So when I'm angry and you and I are angry with each other, we that creates distance. But when I when I approach you and say, "Hey, Alex, this thing you did, you know, really it made me sad." You know, or it landed on me this way or I was hurt by the things that you said. That is an invitation for conversation and connection. Yeah. Um but when you stay at the anger, so so when people are staying with the anger, you want them to go deeper. Sometimes when when all they can do is kind of wallow in their sadness and their hurt, you want them to maybe get the anger out and then be
0: kind of move past it. So that but- makes perfect sense. And Going back to your original question, how does it? How did it make me feel to hear that? A part of me was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That would make me feel better to punch a thing and exercise and really let my anger out. Um, it was like, oh, that would be a cathartic thing. Right. Um, but also hearing what you just said, I 100% agree. Mm. You know, anger is typically, from what I understand and what I believe, anger is usually a result of like some kind of boundary being repeatedly crossed mm-hmm. whether it's like you know like you said i'm feeling sad and i continue to f- i feel sad and feel sad and feel sad and i feel like there are external forces causing me mm-hmm. i want to like push back mm-hmm. at that sadness mm-hmm. and fight back so to speak um and to your point too it's like when you want to talk to someone saying if someone does you wrong you think that they've done you wrong and you respond with anger that's just conflict Whereas if you respond with the truth of the matter, which is, I feel sad, I'm hurt, someone, yeah, is going to more often be like, oh, well, I didn't mean to do that. Like, let's talk about it. Right,
1: right. One invites connection. The other invites dis, uh, um, disconnection.
0: Yeah. I did not grow up in an environment where people really talked about their emotions uh-huh. or their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a time, and that's something... I mean, that's probably getting to like some kind of nerve, you know, that's like a sensitive subject, Mm. I guess, for me, Um, because it's definitely like when I think back, I think about this a lot. There were many times where as a kid, I had to figure out like, okay, have I done something wrong because I'm being met with a lot of anger right now? Mm. And all I was trying to do was explain how I feel. And I was met with anger. And I think that sort of taught me in a way to lead with anger and mm. co- lead with confrontation, mm.
2: uh,
0: which has been a hell of a trip breaking that barrier down. But I've made a lot of progress and I'm I'm happy about the progress I've made. But I still feel um, scared and in shame talking about anger. This is a subject... Mm. Where I, I th- there's a voice in my head that's like, okay, dude, maybe we don't get into this for the podcast because mm-hmm. it's there's fear and there's there's real shame. Uh, anger is something that, yeah, I carry some shame about.
1: S- sometimes feelings we have feelings we have around feeling states like anger, they they uh, touch on family rules. Um, the family I grew up in. No, no crying, you know, like uh, the, the strong British, keep your stiff upper lip kind of, you know, cultural mentality. Um, w- one of the rules when we were roughhousing with my dad was, you know, if he ever said, do I hear tears? Do I, you know, do I hear tears? Like all of us kids knew that if somebody was crying, they got hurt in roughhousing to escort that kid out. Wow! So the, So the party could still go on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so keeping that party atmosphere was really important. So it taught us a lot about when you're hurting, when you're in pain, you know, don't say anything about that. The The party stops when you're, you know, and we're not playing anymore. So you didn't want to ruin it for everybody else, so you'd leave or your siblings would escort you out. And so that was a family rule about, you know, we don't, we don't want to hear about your pain, we don't want to hear about your, your sadness, your, your hurt.
0: Mine was you really just weren't allowed to... You weren't allowed to for your emotions to trump your brain, like mm. you had to be smart and do the smart thing. And if you didn't do the smart thing, you were wrong, and you needed to be told you were wrong, mm. as opposed to being like, it's really frustrating because like, well, it sounds
1: it, like there was a currency, right? There yeah, was the, the currency, the the more valued currency was uh, intellect and cognitions, thoughts, instead of. The feelings? Is it, am I understanding yes. that right? and now?
0: I think that, and the more I've thought about it, a lot of it, it was just because, like, I don't think, you know, a lot of this is family of origin in terms of, like, it's generational. Mm-hmm. And you use the tools you have. Mm-hmm. And I think in my ho- household, my parents probably weren't given an opportunity to develop those tools. Uh, so it's like they can't develop those tools in someone else if they don't have them themselves. So mm-hmm. growing up, it was just, like, Yeah, and I was like a really emotional kid. Like I was all over the place, really rambunctious. Mm -hmm. Um, Just I had a ton of emotional energy, and I'm sure it was really draining, but it was often met with like stop it, end it, no more emotions, think, you know, behave. Override. Yeah, yes, override. Mm -hmm. And I think the times that were the most challenging for me were like, if there was an argument, it was like, okay, child is wrong. Parent is right. Parent will Mm -hmm. not talk to the child or acknowledge the child until the child admits that they they were wrong Mm -hmm. and apologizes. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's a really strange environment to grow up in because like there are times where you're like, maybe you're just being a kid and you Mm -hmm. don't know any better because you're a kid. However, you've, you're you're experiencing these like this punishment of like oh i've done something really wrong here hmm. i don't know what it is cuz i don't know what's going on cuz i'm 6 years old but i know that my parents aren't talking to me you know for for 2 days until mm-hmm. i say i'm sorry mm-hmm. and i don't know what i'm saying sorry for and my gut tells me i shouldn't be i, I shouldn't be saying sorry but i have to if i want to get be, in their good graces yeah you, if again. I, you know yeah. and i'm in this house 24/7 right i can't just be isolated forever so when you think about that is that something you've gone back to your folks and
1: said hey I, I I've come to realize there, there was this family rule growing up and um and I'm not I'm not sure you know did I get it, it, it do you, how did you guys experience it I'm not sure that this is something I want to replicate when I have my own kids or have you had those kind of conversations
0: I it's very it's very 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 challenging uh-huh and it has to, to be put very delicately to have a conversation like that yes uh-huh. because it's it's a bit easier with my mom, mm-hmm. but my both of my parents are very, very sensitive to the idea of having being told that they've done something wrong or the implication that they've done something wrong. Or having that put out on the internet. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which like Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> that's that's a joke. He's joking. The joke is we're all humans doing the best that we can. Um but yeah, so like i daydream about how awesome it would be to just go up to him and be like hey like here's what i've been thinking about and then be like oh like hey i get it like that's it's, it's totally fine to think that and you know we this was our experience but we get why you experienced it that way that sucks like let's talk about it as opposed to like well that's not how i remember it or like you know and th- those i mean I'm a big proponent of people going
1: to their parents especially if your folks are alive and if really? you have questions about the way that, that you were brought up or or family environment or just the the rules and boundaries to, to going back to them and saying, "Hey, I, I want to talk about something. It's it has to do with you know how how I was raised, in the environment which was, I'm not I'm not mad at you. I mean, maybe you are mad at, you know maybe you or somebody else in that situation might be mad at their folks, but I think it's important to to be able to go back to your folks. It's, it's all part of the developmental, uh, uh, the developmental um, process of um, having a relationship, an adult to adult relationship with your parents, where we can talk about anything. You know, there is usually this power dynamic where your parents are above you and you are kind of below them. You are always the kid, but then something can shift uh, over time where you where you parents no longer see you as the youngest born or the middle child or whatever, and they
0: how do you recommend doing that in instances where it's like, because like the, the quote, the line that I'm running through my head, if I were to have a conversation would be like, how dare you insinuate? Like, how could you say that? You know, Mm -hmm. like, how do you encourage people to talk to their parents if they're worried that it's going to be a very emotionally charged conversation?
1: I I think most people are going to have an emotionally charged conversation. And there's, let's face it, there's people out there who did, did not get a great start from their folks, uh, yeah. and and you know, notwithstanding what I said earlier about parents are trying to do the best that they can with with the resources they have, there there are some things you know like sometimes our parents have done done things that are wrong to us. Um, we live in an environment now where you don't you don't to to provide or to administer corporal punishment to your kids is not is not necessarily the norm in, yeah. in every household, right? And so. Um, you know, so that's something that maybe I'm trying not to do, and yet my parents did it. And so I might have a conversation like, what, "What were your, what were your thoughts about administering corporal punishment? Like, how did you and mom get there? How did you and dad get to that place where that was okay?" Because I'm in a very different spot right now. Are you saying we did a lousy job? No, I'm not saying. That. I'm, I want to talk to you about what what it was like to be parents. I mean, mm-hmm. you had young kids. You didn't have a manual either, and I haven't got a manual, and I'm trying to figure this out. How did you make the decisions that you made? But sometimes those conversations you need to really front load. You really need to say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about about the home I grew up in and what it was like for you guys to be parents. And maybe I was a difficult kid. or But there's these things, these questions that I have. I, and and I think those conversations help your parents become more human than yeah. these power, power mongers yep. in your life or people who kind of kept you down or determined how you're going to end up being. You can if your parents are still alive and if they're open to having a conversation you can readjust you can adjust the way that you relate to your parents you don't have to be the kid position in the kid position all the time
0: i have had pretty adult conversations with my parents and you know we've tackled a lot of varying subjects with like you know frankness and i think we're on the same level playing field in terms of Like, I don't think my parents look at me as a kid. I -hmm. think, um, however, I personally am not in a good enough place to go and approach them and have a frank conversation. Mm -hmm. I personally am am still really pissed off about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those being that like... You do need that punching bag then. Yeah, and like, I think what frustrates me the most is I have to sit down and talk to a licensed professional about how I could consider having a conversation with my parents to keep them from have making it about me yelling at me Mm -hmm. you know like i have tried to sit down with family members and be like hey here's how i'm feeling you know i still love you i'm we're still family Mm -hmm. but this upset me and here's why and it turned around being like i can't believe alex you're feeling this you're weak and they stormed off and Uh you know we were in a public place like it sucks to go through that experience in order to have an honest conversation about feelings like i wish i could just be like hey these are my feelings you don't need to these aren't here to offend you this doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you're a bad person but they exist and i think it's because of some things that have happened can we talk about it yeah that would be so lovely yeah but instead it's like okay i have to write a hundred page manual and be like step one i have to use the phrase i love you Step two, I have to follow that up by being like, you're doing a great job. Step three, I have to start, you know, like it just feels like so much So You much don't want to have to front load it that much. Uh, maybe it's the amount of front loading frustrates me and it's equal parts that. And maybe I'm just also afraid of, of, of going with emotions and being yelled at. And, you know, there have been times where I would, again, like... I have a conversation about my feelings. If it goes the wrong way, my dad won't talk to me for a week. Like that's weird. It's uncomfortable to go through that. Right. Um. <laughs> but even being able to predict some
1: of that, like, Hey dad, I know like if we're going to have this conversation, you're going to be tempted to run off for a week. If you, yeah. if you get hurt by w- what I have to say, my intention is not to hurt you. I just want to have a conversation. I just want to, I'm trying to figure my life yep. out and you and mom are huge parts of my life. And so I just want to talk about that, and and if if you're if you have parents from a generation where they didn't talk about feelings, or there are cultural imperatives that we don't talk about this, men don't show weakness, you know, you know, whatever the cultural imperative might might be, um, it's and, and if you are you're bucking the system, you're swimming up a cultural stream, you know, and and so you will be challenging some of the rules that they've lived their life by. Some of the rules that that they feel have, have, have contributed to their success in this world. And so just opening that conversation saying, I I would like to have a a different kind of conversation than we're, than, than we've agreed to have. We have this tacit agreement as a family that we're not going to talk about feelings, but I'm going to buck that. Yeah. I'm going to swim upstream and I want to, I want to talk about it because that's important for me. I'm starting a new life. I'm, you know, I'm at a place where I might be a dad someday, someday soon, and someday soon, Haley. I, I, I don't want, know. <clears throat> I want, uh, I, I want to make sure that that I'm capable of, you know, more emotional
0: expression than than what I felt was allowed in our family. Maybe I just send you, Steve. You can be, you can play the role of Alex, um, and you guys can tackle that, and let me know how it goes. That's something? Okay, we,
1: but then you risk getting written out of the will. They're like, "Yeah, <laughs> Steve nailed it."
0: <laughs> the sun we we always we, hope, want we always
1: it. have. I do speak a little French too, so
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think un petit peu, un petit peu. That means a little bit to everyone <laughs> listening. Um, yeah, and again, like I said, I have to be frank and honest. I, I even now, like, I can feel the anger and resentment bubbling up a little bit, mm-hmm. I need to get into a better place of like, you know, I feel so cliche, and sometimes I'm embarrassed to even go through this publicly, which is like, oh, classic person with unresolved conflict with their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if, <laughs> if there isn't, there's probably a book written about that, you know? There's thousands and thousands of books written probably. about that. Yep. Um, But a lot, a lot of those books, the central premise is you've had toxic
1: parents and you need to get them out of your life. And I think that's way over. Yeah, that's,
0: that's just, I love my parents and I love having them in my life and all of the good I have, you know, comes from them. Sure. And all of the, I have a little bit of bad and that's what I want to tell them too. It's like, guys, you've given me so much good. Would it kill you to just admit that you gave me a little bit of bad too, hmm. right? Like, let's say it's ninety-five percent good and it's five percent bad, but the like pure just denial and like you can't even touch that five percent. It's just gonna send them to the moon. So, so if they were able to,
1: if they were able to come to you and say, "We'd like to know the bad." Yeah, we 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 want to know what what are the things that you. I mean, you've told us you love us. You told us that we provided a good start, et cetera, et cetera. Well, where did we come up short? Yeah would you Would you want them to introduce that yeah. conversation to you? If I,
0: a hundred percent, and if because then I could be like, I'll tell you, and just remember, this is like grand scheme of things. I'm really happy, and I'm I love having you guys in my life, and you're a source of strength when I have issues. The first mm-hmm. person I call are my parents. You know, they always pick up the phone my mom's really busy. So sometimes she'll send me an email and she will be like, schedule a t- call with me, which like, that's a weird thing to be like, mom, I'm having a problem. She'd be like, okay, get back, you know, talk to my receptionist. Have your people. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of uh, my people. B- but, but, but yeah, I would love that because I think at the very least what I'm looking for is the ability to be like, Hey guys, this was my experience. It was really hard for me. Could you just at the very least acknowledge that a, it happened and B, we still love each other, but like it, it would be it would mean a lot if you were just to say hey yeah we kind of messed that up we're sorry mm. that would go a long way but yeah which gives me perspective too like when i become a parent i'm probably going to have this aha moment where i'm like oh it all makes sense <laughs> you know that's why they beat me <laughs> <laughs> no and like again my parents did not beat me <laughs> which that's a serious thing i shouldn't even be laughing like if you know Obviously, that physical abuse is no joke and that mm-hmm. exists in family uh, systems. But um, yeah, it would just be nice to see them vulnerable and, and just to, because to me that's like the most, that's the highest level of confidence to be like, this is a fault. I messed this up, but I still know that I'm a good person and I still mm-hmm. have worth and value. And I'm adult enough to tell my child this and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna hit pause here. Okay. So um maybe this will be a part tour. What do you think about that? Sure. Let's do what we need to do. We'll do what we need to do. Um, but the moral of the story is people send, if you have problems with your parents, contact Dr. Steve, he will <laughs> talk to them for you for a flat fee. It's a per parent service. I don't know. Maybe there's there a go. two for one deal. Groupon. Groupon. Does that still exist?
1: I don't think it does. I think so. I have an app on my phone. Probably you do? You how old I am, but.
0: You have a Groupon app? Yeah, I'm pretty not sure not not they like went under. I to look under. at it. Okay. No. I wonder if, well, my apologies to Groupon if you're still a company, um, but maybe talk to your marketing manager because clearly there's some of us who don't know if you're still around. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's probably a lot to unpack and, and um, we'll keep digging like we always do. So thank you, Dr. Steve. All right. And um, I will catch everyone here later.